Welcome to She Anime Podcast, where four online friends who watch way too much anime come together and talk about it. This week, we will be talking about Bungo Stray Dogs. This is your spoiler alert for any and all things Bungo Stray Dogs seasons one through three, plus the movie Dead Apple. We will be talking about mature content, so if that's not for you, that's totally fine. If you're sticking around, please enjoy. everybody and welcome back we are finally talking about one of my favorite shows bungo stray dogs <laughs> if you don't know this show follows atsushi just after he's been kicked out of his orphanage he's on the brink of starvation when he witnesses a man drowning in the river atsushi saves him and it's here we meet asuma dazai at the armed detective agency and the literary figures who hold their special powers strap in and let's get into it as always, I'm joined by Kat and Shay. Keto is not here today. She is having unfortunate troubles with her uh, electricity because the universe hates everybody right now. All right. Um, so we're just going to move on and try to have some fun. <laughs> I'm Kenzie, and I'll admit it, I'm a literature slut. Um, I'm Kat, and I simped for my character before I even saw the show, but is that any surprise with me? <laughs> I'm uh, Shay, and I just realized I'm only three episodes away from the end. <laughs> all right we are not easing into this because we got three seasons to try and talk all about so on the surface bungo stray dogs looks like it'll be the good versus the bad narrative but when you dive deeper you see how blurred that line really is mm -hmm. so let's talk about the morally gray narrative of bungo stray dogs shay want to start us off so i think this all you know starts out with dazai right like we are introduced to dazai and then we're introduced to everyone else on the team and we're like, oh, these must be the good guys because that's the group that our protagonist, you know, joins and like talks to and saved him from literal starvation. So they must be good, right? And then we, it starts to unfold and we get to realize that Dazai actually used to be one of the worst people <laughs> um, that could exist uh, for the Port Mafia. And we're like, wait, hold on a second. Because, you know, when they introduced Dazai, he's like super charming. He's really funny. Um, he uses his special abilities for good. Um, you know, he saves our protagonist. You're like, oh, great. He's awesome. I love this guy. I mean, he's a little obsessed with, you know. Um, Some questionable activities. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, but, uh, you know. It adds to his charm and then it's like oh actually what <laughs> um, <laughs> when when you get when you get when it's revealed that he was like actually a huge part of the port mafia you're like great awesome love that i feel betrayed <laughs> um but then that actually you like it unfolds more and more throughout the seasons that tase is not the only one like that um mm -hmm. he is not the only quote-unquote good character that used to be bad but there are bad characters that used to be good um I do love that they reveal that everyone has like a true purpose for everything and those mm -hmm. purposes are very personal to them and it kind of leaves it up to the viewer of you know if you're gonna side with them or not like for instance um Francis right like Francis <laughs> you know they paint him as a bad guy they paint him as you know I mean he's the boss of the guild and the guild is bad right mm -hmm. question mark 
Um, but Francis, he's doing all this so that he can recover the book so that he can save his wife and possibly, you know, like from, you know, what happened to their daughter. And you're like, oh, that's, you know, a good guy thing to do. You know, this guy mm -hmm. just, this guy just wants to save his wife. Mm -hmm. um, and almost all of the characters are driven like that, where they have a really, really personal purpose. And I love that they kind of just leave it up to the viewer of, oh, well, do I relate to this person mm -hmm. and what their purpose is? And does that make them a good person or a bad person in my eyes? And especially when we see like, um, like the Port Mafia, uh, more and more of their characters as well, and more and more of the Guild characters and why they're doing what they're doing. You're like, oh, okay, that kind of makes sense. And then you're kind of left with this, okay, now who do I want to, uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. who, who do I want to believe? Who do I want to side with? And I mean, three episodes from how many ever, the 36 episodes that there are minus a movie, I guess. <laughs> I'm still unsure of like who I'm like really with. Um, Cause also, I mean, you have like Octagawa as well. <laughs> <laughs> love that boy so I, I love, love him my little goth boy <laughs> and like at first you like hate him because you know he is Never. the first big enemy that Atsushi <laughs> is uh up against and you're like I hate this guy but then you're like wait a minute he's just a sweet boy he's just like Atsushi but he he went about things a little differently <laughs> so um so they do that with like almost every single character. And I really like that because then it, it leaves it up to interpretation. Mm -hmm. What about you, Cap? So everything about Bungo Stray Dogs is morally gray and it's just beautifully done. Like just the writing of this is just so just, oh my gosh. And every single character is morally gray. I want a breakdown of everybody's kill count because every single person <laughs> is like a killer <laughs> like they've all killed people whether it's for good or whatever like they've all killed people like kyoka is a child and i think she has like one of the highest like kill counts <laughs> there's a few children too and you always expect them mm -hmm. to be like q is introduced and q is like looks oh. six and yeah. q is deadly <laughs> uh, right yeah. It also comes with like what is their ability? Does that inherently like give them? Yeah, because like when we start like episode one of season one, like the like Atsushi, Atsushi's like tiger is killing people. Mm -hmm. That's what's leading everybody to hunt him down is because he's out killing people and he doesn't remember all of this because he doesn't have that connection yet. But so leading up to this, he's been killing people and he's our protagonist. You know, like there, it's there's a lot of that everything is not what it seems. Mm -hmm. Well, especially too, then with Atsushi and the orphanage, you're like, what? Like, oh, the headmaster correct in doing what he did to Atsushi, just trying to protect everybody else. I, I also agree with that. <laughs> that's the one thing he's that I evil. think that's the one thing that like him struggling 
um, with whether or not he should forgive the headmaster is like one of the hardest things and one of the most beautifully written things ever because child abuse is never a good thing and that's basically what this is is it's child abuse of this father figure that this kid has you know been around his entire life and then he was like abusing him but that's neither here nor there that's not what we're talking about at this point as far as like everybody being like a morally great character you especially start to notice it when you um start to actually get into the depths of all of the like respective groups because like you've got like a character like Edgar Allan Poe for example who is he, he's really kind of like a quiet you know he, he's he's a weirdo he's a weirdo I, and I adore him him and Carl he's great but he's part of the bad guy because he's part of the guild but he's not really a bad guy really but he kind of is and it's one of those things where it's like as you there's like different like perspectives of everything it's so good because it makes you think and then like the show has you following the ada as the main group and so you're like oh okay cool they're the good guys they do no wrong yet that's completely wrong because especially towards like season three as you see the ada working together with like all the other groups the, mm-hmm. like the ada will stoop very low to accomplish their end goal they will become the bad guys to be able to accomplish their goals they'll kill people just just to accomplish their goals they'll you know do all sorts of like underhanded things and i just think it's just that's why bungo stray dogs is so well written is because of the fact that it's set up with a way that it really makes you think about morality with all of these characters (laughs) it's just it's so it's so well written and oh i love it so much kenzie all right. So y'all know I love Bunga Stray Dog. It's insane. I think it, like you said, it's just so well written because mm-hmm. it's, it's realistic in the fact that there isn't a good side and a bad side. Each mm-hmm. side probably thinks they're doing right. Um, it's not like the Port Mafia got together and was like, we're going to just fuck people up. Like that wasn't, <laughs> that wasn't the idea behind it. Yeah. Um, at least for the people that were joining, maybe the head of it, that was his idea, but um, we don't know a lot about him still. But so you have in the first season, the ADA is set up to be good and the Port Mafia is set up to this be this big bad. But mm-hmm. when you dive deeper, you see how incorrect that is. Like ADA has presented themselves as almost this judgment, like this is what is wrong. But mm-hmm. when you, again, look deeper into people's characteristics, it's like, well, haven't some of the things you guys have done been wrong as well? Mm-hmm. And then you have them coming together in season three to defeat the bigger evil. You know, you have these sworn enemies going, wait, 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 this can wait because we have something big and this is dangerous and this is actually something that we should yeah. care about. Then you have Dazai, who I think is just the perfect example of a morally great character. Mm-hmm. His counterpart. Um, with Odasaku. Odasaku even, even like is... Chuya, I could keep going. But go ahead, Jay. No, he's just like one of the truly good characters, I think. <laughs> he all he wanted was to sit and write and be an and author take care of and orphans. take care of some and take care of some okay. kids. Yeah. And I also think that orphan part's really important when you see why Dazai took in Atsushi. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. even more stuff gets revealed in the manga that I think just shows why Dazai had his change in vision. But Dazai's not the hero of the story. Mm-mm. And oh, no. we're never really sure of his motives. He's such an unreliable narrative or uh, narrator. Is he is everything he's doing selfish in Dead Apple, especially? Oh my gosh, yes. Are you just 
whose side are you on, sir? Uh-huh. He's like too smart for his own good. Does he actually care about Asashi? Does he care about Octagawa? He abandoned Octagawa, mm-hmm. but like, did he ever care? Did he, why did he make Octagawa stay at Port Mafia? Like what, there's so many questions that I have yes. for that guy. But I just think the morally gray aspect is done so well. Mm -hmm. And in each person, it's highlighted, but it's done differently. And I think that's really intriguing. Otherwise, you would have all of the same characters in different fonts. And I have to say, like, I love the Bungo Stray Dog storyline, but the characters are what make that. And that's why we're going to just keep going back to characters. Speaking of that, each Bungo Stray Dog's character is based off of a real life author. Fun fact, if you didn't know that, I, I feel like most people figure that out season two when <laughs> the guild, I think it's when the guild, the, guild, the, like, guild. the guild comes. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, because otherwise, um, like some of them are like Japanese poems that you like. Well, it was so like, funny. Like, yeah, yeah. It was so funny. I was actually talking to somebody about Bungo Stray Dog and then I was talking about uh, Fyodor and oh, they yeah. recognized him. They're like, Wait, as in the author? And I was like, Yeah, it's about authors. And it was like, It's so oh, cool. Yeah. Like, that's what this is about. So. And going off that, all the authors have a power named after one of their works. They have an ability named after one of their works. Mm -hmm. So how do the real life authors relate to their animated counterparts? How do their abilities reflect their book? And why was that book chosen over others? I'm going to start. I chose my boy Dazai because as, as I was watching this, I went and read No Longer Human because I was really intrigued at how they took that and put it into this character. I'm going to call out. Pete from what do you say anime right now because he was like I don't understand why he's just this fanatical suicide guy I don't understand but that is actually very based on the no longer human book which Mm -hmm. is thought to be a kind of ghost writing of his own autobiography of Dazai the awesome Dazai's own autobiography he lived in the main character in that book lived in this sense of like what is the point of life I don't why am I here if I'm just gonna suffer Um, I might as well leave. Like, why can't I just choose when I leave? And then making it almost a romanticized thing. He was very like depressed and wanting to escape and not understanding. He really wanted to level the playing field as well, which is why I think that feeds into the no longer human ability Mm -hmm. where you can't, you can't beat me without your ability. And that makes you nothing special. And I think that was something that Dazai the author, that's going to be really hard. Dawson, the author was struggling with a lot is not never feeling special, never feeling like he was worth anything. Mm-hmm. And he, it's like an eight chapter book. It's not that long, mm-hmm. but it's so heavy. And it talks, you can just see so much of why Dazai, the character is the way he is, why he has this morally graded, why he just speaks what he's thinking. And he doesn't, he might have ulterior even when you're reading the book, you feel like the, the, the main character has these ulterior motives. You don't think he's really telling you the truth. He's not being honest with what he's really feeling, or he's convinced himself that what he's feeling is normal. And he talks about always feeling like he was never human. Mm-hmm. And so there's this search that what's the most human thing about you? It's that you can die. And Dazai has that same energy. The character has that same energy where he's searching for this feeling to make people like human to feel Mm -hmm. human again because he's so analytical and he's so obsessed with at first he's so obsessed with power and then I don't know where he's going but he's has this just energy of what makes a person special and then therefore are we all just average is is, what's Mm -hmm. the point of this what's the point of all this so I think he's an incredible character I could go on about all these characters but I won't (laughs) Uh, hit me up in my dms if you want to talk 
all the characters among the stray dogs. I could talk for hours. But uh, Kat, tell me about your boy. So I couldn't not talk about Edgar Allan Poe because first off, like he is literally like one of my favorite poets and storytellers. Just everything about Edgar Allan Poe has always been like one of my favorites. If you guys don't know, he's a traditionally gothic author known for dark themes. And his grim animated counterpart is just a quiet, depressed man who kind of keeps to himself and has a pet raccoon named Carl. He also sees the lovely Rumpo as his rival. Actually, if I recall, I was doing research on um, all of this like before, which is so fun. That's the cool thing about Bungo Stray Dogs is you do so much research about all of these characters and their actual connections. A lot of these authors had real life connections as well especially with like the Japanese authors, a lot of them were all like interconnected, like Dazai and Akutagawa and all of them actually had like standing like relationships with each other. But anyways, Edgar Allan Poe's ability is actually based off of two of his different works. Um, One is, so his ability is called Black Cat in the uh, Rue Morgue, and it's based off of the two short stories, The Black Cat and the Murders in the uh, Rue Morgue. And so his ability is actually really kind of interesting because it allows him to transport people into the book that they're currently reading. In comparison, like both of these pieces are short stories that are told by unnamed narrators. Um, One is a very gruesome tale about like guilt and sanity and death. And the other is about a detective who is trying to solve a murder mystery. And I think the thing that kind of links the two works together and puts it as this one ability is that they're unnamed narrators and that a lot of Edgar Allan Poe's work heavily relies on an outside perspective in a way that correlates with his ability to put the people who are reading the book into that world. And I just think it's so interesting and I just, I just love him as a character as well. He's just, he's a very, he's a very interesting character, especially because like when you get to first meet him with the guild, he's kind of just this quiet guy. But then as you start to see him with like Rompo, like Rompo kind of brings out a lot of him and it just, ugh, I can't wait to see what happens more. I with love Rompo. I love Rompo. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, I'm like, I can't wait to see more um, about uh, him, especially because of the way that uh, season three ended uh, with both Edgar and uh, Rompo going into a book that ugh, I can't wait to see what happens with that because I think that's like the first time that we actually get to see him immersing himself in a novel as well, because he's usually that outside unnamed, you know, narrator, and he's now putting himself in the story as a character. It'll be interesting to see what happens with that. Shay, how about you? Um, I will choose one of the two that I put on here, and uh, Francis. I, okay. <laughs> although he is very detestable, um, mm-hmm. uh-huh. I really do love him, and but I also think his ability is probably one of the most obvious. Um, but it goes a little deeper than that because, like, the writers of Bungo Stray Dogs really did their research on F. Scott Fitzgerald. Um, so they even as far as to like kind of mirror the the author's real life so f scott fitzgerald is mostly known for the great gatsby Mm -hmm. so if you've ever lived in the u.s and taken an english lit class in high school you probably had to read the great gatsby you did 
Um, <laughs> so, so Francis's ability is called the Great Fitzgerald, um, which I think is interesting because they they named it after like the author himself and not like one of his works. But the Great Fitzgerald is obviously like an allegory to the Great Gatsby, which also it has been said that the Great Gatsby holds a lot of like F. Scott Fitzgerald's like personal life and his biggest wishes because his wife well his wife after a while he fell in love with this woman named Zelda who was a debutante and refused to marry him until he had money but little do people know that F. Scott Fitzgerald was not a successful author really Mm -hmm. um he was like while he was alive he was actually known for his um first book that was like commercially published which was this side of paradise and um that is when zelda finally decided to marry him because he you know was finally successful in something because she promised to marry him after his first publication and then he wrote another book and then he wrote the great gatsby afterwards but at the time he was like writing great gatsby zelda eventually got put in a mental hospital for schizophrenia which mirrors exact like not exactly but almost exactly what happens in bungo stray dogs because of their daughter's death francis is like i want to save my wife from herself because she has convinced herself that their daughter is just studying abroad in london so but clearly they know she's dead but the fact of the matter that that Francis is so driven by money directly mirrors Francis, like F. Scott Fitzgerald's like real life, because this man was driven by money the whole time. That's the whole reason, you know, uh, Gatsby himself is so driven by money. And I, I feel like um, the great Gatsby is just so it, it all kind of like mirrors each other. And I think the the authors of Bungo Straight Dogs did a really, really good job in making that his ability. The fact that he has to have money in order to use his ability. And the and when he loses money, he loses all of his money. He, you know, loses his ability. Well, not completely. I mean, but he just can't use it and therefore can't like he you find him in the slums like he can't do anything without money until you know he gets that 50 cents <laughs> from Louisa and he can finally do like a little bit of something but I think hit the whole de- development of his character and everything is absolutely genius because it's very very obvious about the author and also since it is one of the authors that is an American author he is the most recognizable in my opinion other than like maybe Edgar Allan Poe um, or Nathaniel Hawthorne even or I guess Mark Twain as well but like Mark Twain you don't really see like you see a little bit but I feel like his ability Mark Twain's ability also still doesn't make as much sense to me as I want it to like it's obvious but it also doesn't make sense (laughs) Um, (laughs) with Huck Finn and Tom Sawyer but this one I feel like tied in the actual author and his works very well and his actual life with with using the real name of his wife Zelda and everything like mm-hmm. that. yeah I feel like even the name of it like how you 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 sort of touched on it but like how he's presented with this very like like self-centered 
personality so that his abilities even has his name. And then you, you go to find out that it's not, is it self-centeredness or is he really just doing everything to try and protect his family? Mm-hmm. Um, but he's, he was, I like detested him, but I was like, all right, you're, you're pretty interesting. Um, <laughs> he's <laughs> very interesting. I love, I love, you know, the many layers to his character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But moving on, there's so much to talk about in so little time. So let's go ahead and pick one of the arcs to discuss. So we have the Guild arc, the Cannibalism arc, the Guild Aftermath arc, the Port Mafia arc, the Dead Apple movie I'll even throw in there. Just pick one and go off. Uh, Shay, do you want to start? Sure. Um, so I'm going to pick the Guild arc since you already called dibs. On Is that right? Well, you can, everyone can chime in on the Dark Era arc. We all know it's the best. <laughs> I really, I really do love the Dark Era arc, <laughs> but mostly because of my boy Oda. But, <laughs> um, but the Guild arc was probably the second most interesting to me because you have the introduction of the Guild, um, which is also when you start getting the more of the American and European authors in the story, because until then, like the ADA and the Port Mafia, a lot of them have been based off of like Japanese authors or poems or works. And then you start, the guild comes in. And is the, the guild is all from overseas, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're yeah. flying in from overseas. So that makes yeah. sense as to why mm-hmm. they're like American, European um, authors. But, you know, you get Mark Twain, you get Hawthorne, you get um, Louisa, you get um, Lucy which I love Lucy. Okay. Yeah. I love her. Love um, Lucy. I really liked the guild being entered in. I thought it really like it helped really the American added, viewers give something yes. and, but like just added to the story completely. It was really good. Cause like I've read Great Gatsby. I've read The Little Women. I've read Anne of Green Gable. Anne of, Anne of Green Gables was my favorite. So maybe that's why like Lucy is one of my favorite, <laughs> favorite characters that are introduced. But um, I really think this is a turning point for Atsushi. In the guild mm-hmm. arc like this whole time of course he's ca- had character development because he is our protagonist so we've seen him kind of develop more character the more he learns about you know Dazai and other characters but the guild arc is what really turns things around for Atsushi I think in the fact that he's finally realizing his purpose and he's finally realizing, you know, like why things have happened to him. And he's finally realizing exactly what has happened to him too, because up until this point, he really doesn't know why he's there and why the ADA took him in and why Dazai has this interest in him. And with all of the stories that unfold within the guild arc, I feel like Atsushi learns more and more and more about himself and And it's not in your typical like shonen protagonist way where, you know, there's like a huge, (laughs) there's just like this huge moment where he's like, "Uh," you know, (laughs) like where, where the, where they have like an epiphany and they're like, everything, everything makes sense to me now. He's still trying to figure out post guild. Um, But this is when he fully starts to realize everything that's going on is happening. Um, And and the fact that Dazai trusts him to do that solo mission to take the Moby Dick down as well and for that exact reason. So Atsushi can kind of realize. And the fact that Octagawa. Is- I just love Octagawa so much. <laughs> I love them being forced to work together and every time. Literally. Like, I fucking hate you. <laughs> 
And literally Octagawa just hates Atsushi because he has Dasai's attention. That's like literally it. Um, <laughs> but but we also, you know, we have the ADA working together with the Port Mafia to take the guild down, um, which is really interesting because the morally gray gets even grayer <laughs> once we know we start to see the relationships between some of the characters in the Port Mafia and the ADA and their histories together and everything. So I really, really liked the Guild arc because I liked the introduction of a third group that, you know, has the special abilities, but it when they show up, they seem super OP. You're like, how is the ADA ever going to deal with these people? How's the Port Mafia ever going to deal with these people? Because also like, you know, with the introduction of Francis, you're like, his power is truly limitless as long as his money is limitless. And it seems like it is limitless right now. Like he's like probably the richest person on the planet. Um, so I really, really liked that the fact that it force the port mafia and the ADA to work together as well. And we get to see those relationships foster. And then when, you know, I mean, at the very end of the arc, when the guild falls apart um, and they all kind of go their separate ways. And I believe it's like Louisa and Mark Twain. And I forget who else is standing there and like, so what are we going to do now? <laughs> and mm -hmm. it kind of, you know, sets it up for the next arc. Louisa's is like, you know, I'm going to try and find the boss. I know he's not dead. And, um, and Mark Twain's like, you know what, I'm going to go, you know, try and fix the guilt a, a little bit. <laughs> You're like, okay, I guess. Um, and then, then you see kind of how the Port Mafia and the ADA have this truce going on afterwards. And you're like, so where can the story go from here? And I think it was, it was a really good like settling point too for like almost a clean slate for them mm -hmm. to start another arc. So I, I, it was a very good, like, and it was a long arc too. The guild arc was mm -hmm. pretty long, mm -hmm. um, but it didn't feel too long. It was no chimera ant arc. <laughs> called out Pete twice. <laughs> <laughs> I called out all the Hunter Hunter fans. That's and true. I am a Hunter and I am a Hunter Hunter fan myself. Yeah, <laughs> so is it, Anyways. is it my time? Yeah, it can be. Okay. <laughs> I truly want everyone to. I truly want everyone to jump in on this because for me, I have a very specific love of the Dark Era arc and I'm guessing it's different from everyone else. But I think because I love Dazai so much and I love that we get this, like, this is where Dazai came from. It's not just like how he got started in the Port Mafia. It's why he left. And we have this friendship between oh. Otosaku, who is just wants to be a My writer, boy. never shot anyone. That was like, so he didn't want to be a killer. And you have Dazai who absolutely loves killing and is like, oh, what do people look like when they do like die like this? <laughs> He's so young. And um, oh, what's his other name? Dude, I can't stand. Oh, the, the guy with the glasses. Yeah, glasses guy. That, that, when they that, all go that. To, oh, him. I hate they, him. I try to forget about because they all go to uh, they all go to Bar Lupin together. It's that yes. friendship. How how can and you I'm, double cross somebody so badly? So bad and so frequently. He does it like all the time, multiple times. But anyways, those three and we we get this friendship established. And Dazai's really in this vulnerable place. We haven't really seen him where he seems to almost really trust everybody those two at least he trusts those two people to not hurt him to not double cross him and he wants to protect them and then as the dark era plot goes on and otosaku is pushed we see 
Dazai realize that he's going to lose him and try desperately to hang on. And when he's, Otosaku is dying, tragically, we see Dazai looking at him and just being like, please, I can't do this without you. Like, please hang on. And he gets smacked. And he's just told to be a good person. And is that the only reason Dazai goes to the ADA? Is that the only reason Dazai does anything? Does he, na- does he now live his life for Otosaku? Does he take in this orphan Atsushi and treat him different than Octagawa because he's doing it all now for Otosaku? I just think the Dark Era gives us a lot of answers as to how Dazai came to be, but also questions on what his motives are. Is he going to ever enact revenge? That's the one thing he never does. He never enacts revenge on Glass's friend. Um, I really can't remember his name for the life of me. I'm like literally like looking know, up, trying wanna, to figure I, it out. <laughs> like I feel like it starts with an O as well because I remember like Otosaka and then like another na- like O name possibly in that darker because like those are the three characters you like really only see in and, the entire er- like arc. And I think Otosaka and Glasses Guy, sorry guys, I'm going to keep referring to him as that. I really hated him. That's probably why I didn't try to remember his name. They both have this almost adult outlook on the world where when they're in the bar and Dazai's just like let's go kill people and have fun I'm like I'm just having a great time they both kind of look at each other and have this moment of like it, it doesn't get to be like this forever like there our time's gonna run out um and then you get the name drop where they all clink their glasses and say to the stray dogs and they all oh. to the stray dogs and that's just and that also, I think that's really important that they are the ones who said it because that was the beginning truly of the series. Go ahead. Ango Sakaguchi. Ango? Ango. Ango sounds, yeah, that's it. All right. Yep. Ango. Fuck <laughs> Ango. This guy double crossed him so hard. I'd love for you guys to jump in though and have like some discussions about it because I have dark air brain rot. Um, I think Oda Saku, he is the first like inherently good character we see. However, he is also still morally great because he has killed in the past. But then he had that conversation where he's like, you're meant to be a writer. And he's like, that's all I want to do. And he's like, I cannot be a successful writer if I continue to kill people. Mm-hmm. And then he just stops killing people completely. And he tries, he tries his damn best to remove himself from that world but it kind of just keeps swallowing him and as long as he keeps friends like Ango and Dazai he's never truly going to be free from that and he's given so many times where he has to make the decision between killing people and not killing people and he stays true to you know I don't want to kill anybody like almost to the very end mm-hmm. until he loses his purpose, which is when, you know, which I think he always said he wanted to be a writer, but he wanted to write about things like the orphans. Mm-hmm. He wanted to tell their, his story and he wanted to tell their stories. But once the orphans are taken away from him, I feel like that's when it snaps back. And he's like, I really have no purpose into trying to be this good guy anymore. That, that was ahead. like, that was like the most heartbreaking thing for me was the fact that this this character that we see for the first time in a really long time other than like Atsushi I guess that is like good and has good intentions and a good heart can snap back to the old ways so quickly but it it was but it was such a gruesome way too like they killed a bunch of kids just to get this one guy to 
change his mind. And I think it was like his weak point was so obvious. Mm-hmm. And I also think that Dazai, when when Adosako is die, dying, Dazai knows that he's partially responsible not that he killed him but like if he could he knew that if he hung out with Otosaku Otosaku would never be able to leave that life even though he knew that's what Otosaku wanted and I think there's that moment where Dazai's just full of guilt he wasn't there quick enough he wasn't able to save him Mm -hmm. um he saw him when the or the not really an orphanage but when where all the children were was blown up he saw him there and told him not to do what he was going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, like there was just so much of, I know what's going to happen. And then turning to the wrong person to try and help. And he just ends up double crossing them. Does I never retaliates? I really want him to. Yeah. <laughs> I personally, I like that a lot of, a lot of people associate Dazai in the port mafia with like Chuya and all of that stuff. But Chuya has no like purpose in the dark arc because he's not actually he's not there. there no. And, I actually personally enjoy the fact that this is where you get to see a lot of that whole like um, Octagawa side of everything because Octagawa plays a huge role in the dark era and especially like because of the fact that this is um, also like leading up to Oda's uh, death, the main fights that you start to see is Octagawa versus whatever the fuck that guy's name is, the one that actually shoots and kills Oda but yeah but out of all of the fights like the other fight that you see is Octagawa trying to take this guy down and then I just I just think it's interesting that um especially because of the fact that Octagawa at this point is Dazai is like protege and all that stuff the kid he like took in and he like looks up to he him, recruited and then, him yeah yeah and then all he of a sudden Shuya too but he, yeah. Shuya and him were the same age so I think it has yeah. a really different dynamic. Yeah, whereas like Octagawa is two years younger than him. So, and I only know that because of the fact that I love one of the coolest things about like the dark era is that they kind of recap all of this in my favorite uh, thing, which is obviously the movie. I fucking love the movie so much. Like they recap, like <laughs> they, they literally like recap the entire dark era arc at the beginning of the uh of the dead apple movies so like if you like the dark era arc you're gonna like the dead apple movie because it has a lot of similarities and just like oh it's just so good i personally like it's not it's not like my favorite arc but it's definitely up there for sure because obviously dead apple is just like my favorite thing speaking of dead apple (laughs) speaking of dead apple let's talk about it because i want to talk about it the second i saw that you put it on there stray dogs yet make sure to watch dead apple after and after season two don't make my fucking mistake and follow crunchyroll's uh lineup don't don't follow crunchyroll's lineup canon to the storyline it is you have to you have to watch it yeah you have to watch. I was like, literally, because like I watched uh, season one, two, three right in a row, and then all of a sudden I watched the movie, and I was like, wow, a lot. To make once I talked to Kenzie, and she's like, yeah, the movie actually goes after season two. I was like, that makes so much more sense because I was so confused going into season three. I was yep. so confused, and then going yep. into the movie after season three, I was like, wait a second. But yeah, so Dead Apple, okay, Snow White themes, people, Snow White themes, so many Snow White themes literally like the dead bodies with the apples being left there and then um dazai dazai is snow white friends dying <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that just uh oh, chuya 
at the... <laughs> if you guys like Chuya at all, like I do, he's Chuyo, my second favorite Chuyo character. Has his moment. This is okay. So this is literally like this whole movie really said let's showcase Chuya his ability and his relationship with Dazai. The like opening credit scene is probably the most infamous like opening credit scene like of all time with his bike oh my god his gravitational like everything is just so fucking amazing like him getting up on the fucking building and then all of a sudden like like he he took out a whole crowd of people just think shit about it uh, like hell yeah i did (laughs) oh god it was just so oh my god it's so great it's so fucking great and just like i love just everything about those two together as characters also you get to see manifestations of all of the abilities because the premise of dead apple is that there's this fog that's uh, um, going around and pulling out the abilities and then the ability turns around and kills the user because that's what sparks the whole journey of everything and so you get to see all of the like manifestations of all of the abilities which is really cool because like some of them have never actually had a physical like manifestation like Asashi with his uh, tiger or um, Kyoko with her swordswoman so you get to see like manifestations that kind of take form some some of them take form of like like almost like a shadow of the person and it's just so cool i just really like it so much it's so good and it's so well written and it's so canon and it's just like so good and it's not often that um the movie is canon i love when movies are canon so much um, and it introduces our big bad for season three it does it Mr. introduces crime and punishment it himself. does it introduces him I, okay I have odd obsession with him just purely because of his Japanese voice. And <laughs> like you guys were all there and present for me he- saying, oh, my God, it's Akira Ishida. Oh, my God. Don't I can't fucking stand the character. But like he could talk to me all day long. Honestly, <laughs> I tried to read Crime and Punishment and man, it's it's dense. It's, it's too yeah. much. It's, it's so, so dense. Long. And I tried to listen to oh. it on an audiobook, which like did not help at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh I just I love I just it's such a good series. Kind of kind of like an intermission. Like it was enough. Most most movies you're like, oh, there wasn't enough in there. I think it, there was just the perfect amount of material in Dead Apple to kind of be that transition that was just perfect and yeah so that apple go watch it seriously it's so good all right so yes we're going back to the characters because again as i said the characters (laughs) make up this thing and i think we're going to talk a lot about what we saw in dead apple and the dark era arc in all of this so the characters are really overly intertwined and mirror past relationships it's absolutely insane how it's written so pick some related characters we got dazai and chuya akutawa atsushi akutawa and atsushi compared to dazai's treatment of both Odasaka, dazai, <laughs> all of them kunikita oh. dazai we can do it all so pick any of those characters and then tell us what the relationships mean and what are they meant to teach us and how does it affect the interconnecting plot lines and characters around them just go off friends all right i'm gonna start with everybody's favorite, Dazai and Shuya. Yeah. <laughs> One of my favorites is when we see how they met mm-hmm. and how Chuya really was just meant to protect his people and then was betrayed by his people because he got close to Dazai. And then it was like, well, Dazai's all you have left. Oh. 
So you could die or you could come chill with Dazai. And any- <laughs> I'm sorry, I like ship them. I know it's like oh, dated, yes. but you know what? Those two <laughs> enemies to lovers insanity. I think I love the idea that Chuya's power cannot exist without Dazai. Because yes. he cannot use corruption, which makes without, him all powerful yeah. without use of Dazai. I just think that's that's just poetic. I'm also curious, like, did those authors know each other in real life? Like, where did they- I I don't believe that those two actually had the relationship? Yeah, looking it up, the only ones that Dazai actually had a relationship were um Octagawa, uh, Murasaki, uh, Shikibu, and uh, Fyodor. Those are the sure. only ones that he actually had like relationships with. Like those were the ones that influenced his writing and all that. The stuff. universe couldn't handle. This. Oh my gosh! Um, imagine those two so together, though. <laughs> I think it's really powerful how Dazai becomes the betrayer in this relationship because Chuya trusted him mm-hmm. to stay. Chuya trusted him to be his partner, even if they pretend to hate, well, not pretend. I don't even know if they truly hate each other or not. I don't think Dazai hates him. I think Chuya feels betrayed. But just as Dazai was betrayed by Port Mafia, he then goes and betrays Chuya. And yet they still can't seem to shake each other. And Dazai doesn't want to shake him. Dazai is always teasing him and taunting him and saying, I know you can't do this without me. You know you need me. But Chui is always trying to prove that he can stand on his own. Chui has always been this like temperamental short king who thinks he doesn't need anybody and like doesn't like to help, doesn't like to accept help. And Dazai mm-hmm. has that similarity, except he knows he's always going to overpower yeah. Chuya because Chuya literally can't use his power against him. I just, mm, there's such a chef's kiss of a relationship. And it's a very one cannot exist without the other storyline. And I love how they were found together. I love how they've grown from that. And yeah. I'd love to see where they're going. I also love how like you didn't hear about Chuya for the longest time. Mm-hmm. And you're just, and then suddenly he shows up and you're like, well, you got you took out some history though. <laughs> Honestly, literally the first time you get to see Chuya and then like Dazai like together, like you're just like, oh my God. Yeah, it's just there's a lot of energy there. And I really love Chuya as a character. I think Chuya is more good than Dazai is, even Mm -hmm. though Chuya exists where he is, even though Chuya is in the Port Mafia. Yes, and that goes back to the morally gray like side of everything. Chuya, even even when you first meet, when you like first learn about how Chuya first met like Dazai, he didn't want to be bad he only wa- he just wanted friends he, he wanted, wanted to have ta- he wanted to friends what he, already he wanted had. exactly he just he wanted to the be slums. there yeah and then you know then he gets pulled into this lifestyle and he has to adapt to this lifestyle and i like, think there's also a part of him in that regard where he gets pulled in when he realizes dazai can can control it yes that it's like i can't leave this because i mm-hmm. he he figures out he's this this dangerous thing yeah um and then and, that's why he's so angry all of the time is because that safety net that he had is gone. And he knows he can he go off any, like if he loses control or any, or if he activates corruption, like he will die, which I think is really, which oh, mm-hmm. in, in, in dead apple specifically yes. where he jumps off the plane 
and he goes Dazai's like basically he's like Dazai's not gonna let me and they're like Dazai's dead like that's the report we have Dazai is gone like what if Dazai's not there and he He says that that guy doesn't die that easily I know he's there (laughs) don't they have to like he punches him in the face and that (laughs) is what breaks the pill the antidote in his in his mouth and they're like how'd you know I I would punch you in the face and he was like it's you like why wouldn't you like you (laughs) such a you can't die on me I'm the only one who gets to kill you moment. Yeah. And just, I think Dead Apple was like my favorite peak from their relationship. I was just like, this is yes. beautiful. That scene is just great. I think there was a moment where you're like, are they going to kiss? And then it was just like socked him right in the face. Beautiful. And then my second favorite relationship is what Kat's going to talk about. <laughs> yes. Oh, <God>. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Obviously, because Octagon was my favorite character. Obviously, I'm obsessed with him. Or I'd even watch Bungo Stray Dogs. Like, he's the reason why I wanted to watch Bungo Stray Dogs. But Octagon and Atsuchi, they're such beautiful characters because they are parallel characters. Yeah, we love our foils and all this stuff, but we also love parallel characters because they are the same character, but they're on a different path. And it is so abundantly clear that the author even wrote a what if series called Bungo Stray Dogs Beast which talks about the what if instead of Octagawa being taken in by Dazai, Atsushi was taken in uh, by Dazai, and what if Octagawa was taken into the ADA, and it's so cool because um, actually, who brings Octagawa into the ADA is actually Oda. Mm-hmm. Oda actually... Spoilers. It's literally the first, like, episode. It's, like, it's the first chapter. I can't spoil you, you should spoil me. Literally, it's literally the first chapter! don't care anyways um the characters of Akigawa and atsushi are really interesting because the two characters are literally um representations of like the choices being made in life and how they actually affect your story being told because they they literally are the exact same they are super powerful they, they both have really strong um abilities almost deadly abilities as well and the fact that if they can't control their abilities like it could be not border not not as like deadly as Chuya because Chuya he literally is like unstoppable but like Akigawa and Asashi are both very strong characters um and the fact that they're also orphans and the fact that they also they they need help and in the main storyline Dazai takes in Akigawa into the port mafia and he takes them under his wing and they kind of like learn to control himself and all that stuff and then dazai then turns around and takes in asushi into the ada and he learns how to control his ability dazai is kind of like the catalyst for for both of them whereas like in this you know in this alternate you know universe dazai doesn't take in Octagawa and instead turns around and says, I'm taking in Octagawa instead. And it's just, I don't know. I just, I really like just the parallels between the two uh, characters and how they really are the exact same character. And also, one of the saddest things is like Octagawa just wants like Dazai's approval. And Dazai couldn't care in certain aspects. You see, like Dazai doesn't really care about like Octagawa and like turns around and like praises like Octagawa for like. The same thing that Octagawa manipulative way where like he'll yes. look to Octagawa and be like he does it on like, intentionally. He knows what Octagawa wants. Yeah, um, and it's even really in like sad. 
in the dark when you're you're watching him in Port Mafia, you see him be like, "Give me a reason to praise you." Like you, yes. you've done. Like he makes him feel so worthless, and then tries to build Atsushi up so much. Mm-hmm. We only see him enact violence on Atsushi one time. He smacks him. <laughs> yeah, he did that smack. He did. Yeah. No, it's and in a like in a way like I I just think it's really. It's really interesting, especially because it also does feed into the whole like Dazai is not a good Dazai is not a good person at all. And seeing the relationship between Dazai and Akagawa, you can tell as soon as you see this because Akagawa just looks up to this because he's his savior. He saved him. He gave him a purpose in life and all that stuff. And guys, go read Bungle Street. Actually. It's so good. <laughs> uh, Shay, how about you? So at first I was like, oh, I'm just going to like piggyback off of you guys because you guys have like the two most obvious ones of like people with like, you know, characters that are very, very similar, like either par- a direct parallels to each other mm-hmm. or, you know, foils to each other. And I was like thinking about it. And especially with like what I've, you know, most recently been watching is Lucy and Kyoka and both of them in their relationship to Atsushi mm-hmm. and how similar, like the more I thought about it, the more I was like, they're very, very similar characters because Lucy was an orphan and Kiyoka was orphaned and both of their abilities are something that like they control, but it's not, you know, like them, them themselves. Like Kiyoka is um, her demon and then like Lucy is her room and like Anne. But and both of them have, you know, been prisoners in some sort of way to their ability. Like Lucy literally gets stuck in Anne's room before she's pulled out. And well, and she willingly gets stuck there to save Atsushi. Kiyoka also has willingly succumbed to the demon to save Atsushi and both of them have a relationship to Atsushi in like a different way I feel like Kiyoka doesn't necessarily like romantically like have any romantic interest in Atsushi but she looks to him as really her savior Mm -hmm. because he is he has morally shown her a way to kind of function in society with even with the guilt that she has mm-hmm. over, you know, how many people she's killed indirectly. And then you have like Lucy, who I feel like it is a romantic interest in Atsushi, like just a little bit, um, but she's also seeking his approval. They're both seeking his approval, um, but, they're, but I also love that they're both female characters that don't like really dote over him. <laughs> they, they're strong in their own aspects and they have their own tragic backstories but I think it's just interesting that like Atsushi has these two uh, female characters Mm -hmm. now that support him and they're both so similar to each other I don't know that it goes any further than that yet I haven't read the manga I haven't finished season three but with Lucy and Kyoka both you know coming to the ADA Mm -hmm. as well I think they're gonna and you can correct me if I'm wrong Kenzie with the manga but I like I think there's more to that like there there's a reason that they're both kind of very similar and how they got to be in the ADA because Lucy comes from the guild and Kyoka comes from the poor mafia but both of them found their way to the ADA through Atsushi and their abilities are also kind of similar I'm not that far in the manga yet so 
I can't <laughs> attest to it, but I would agree with your yeah. guess prediction. Yeah, I, I feel like there's something more there to the two female characters that are kind of like coming out of the woodwork. Mm -hmm. And I'm excited to see where that goes if if it does go anywhere. Yeah, that's for sure. I remember seeing Lucy and being like, this is weird. And then like diving deeper into it and finding her extremely interesting. So I'm actually really glad you chose those two. Yeah, I'm I'm very I'm very interested to see, you know, where they take Lucy just because she also is one of our morally great characters. I mean, all well, of them sure. are, but she's also, you know, comes from almost like being brainwashed by the guilt into doing what she had to do. And then now with the help of Atsushi, she's kind of realizing that she can use her ability for good. Same with Kyoka. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's it. We really dove right in and tried to get as much as we could. I We could talk about Bongo Stray Dogs over, like forever, but season four has been announced. Um, they're also getting a live action movie. So Ooh. there is a lot to come. Live so action movie actually came out in January and I only know that because it's the live action movie is of beast and i was like oh yeah yeah um so i saw some movie posters recently um so hopefully we get that somewhere in the u.s soon mm -hmm. i'm sure you can do not nice ways of getting it but i don't know and we'll probably have another episode when all of that comes about especially season mm -hmm. four i'm really excited for season mm -hmm. four so thank you all for joining us for this week's episode you can always find us on twitch twitter and instagram at she anime podcast and next week we are going to be doing a game time episode we're gonna Wee. guess the poorly described anime so stick around for that it's going to be quite fun until next time bye bye, -bye. bye.